And as always, we'd like to thank our partners, Firebird Rising and the beautiful game network, BGN. You can go to their websites to see more of their content at firebirdrising.coreair, that's K-O-R-R-A-I-R.com, or at bgn.fm. And let's get to the show. Welcome to this episode of the Rising as One podcast. This is Dominic Kearns here again with Jeff Went from Firebird Rising, and uh, we're going to get into some of the more news and notes of the week, being that uh, Phoenix Rising had an off week, although it wasn't really an off week as far as players getting their, get, fitness. Getting their fitness and getting their training in. But uh, before we get into uh, what happened last weekend, let's first get into talking about the player signings that uh, that Phoenix Rising made this past week. Uh, obviously picking up three players in the midfield um, Either, and, pick, and picking up players with, with, with a lot of MLS experience. Definitely. So the three signings were Eder Areola, Eric Avila, and Jordan Gibbons. Um, and just some background information, Eric Avila played in the MLS for a long time, from 2008 to 2014. He played with FC Dallas, Toronto, Chivas USA, um, and Orlando City. Um, Areola hasn't been in the pros too long, but he has played with Los Dos, um, and he looks like he might be sliding into our starting 11 pretty soon. And then the last guy, Jordan Gibbons, he he was a member of the Queen's Park Rangers Youth Academy over in England, played a little bit in Scotland, and he's just improving our connections over across the pond over in England. We have a few players like that. So, yeah. I think, I think uh, Areola will definitely be an interesting uh, addition to this club. Uh, watched, watched him a couple of years ago when he did play with Los Dos, and, and from what I remember seeing Areola play, he was a very – he was a very big pest. <laughs> I mean, he, he was somebody that obviously helped Brad, Bradford Jameson. He helped uh, Chandler Hoffman when he was there with Los Dos and, and, and even, you know, even had some nice free kicks. And, yeah, I think Ariel is going to be somebody that's going to fit in real nicely and real quickly with this club. Um, well, but- interesting. He was playing midfield with Los Dos, right? But on Saturday... He was playing a different position. Yeah, he was playing it right back. I think this is something that, uh, you know, Rick Chance wanted to see who he could use back there, who he wanted, to, who he wants to trust. I think he gives Ariola a shot, gives him a look. I think he's happy with what he saw in his in his play that he that he that he had Saturday against FC Tucson. I would not be surprised if you see Ariola slot back there to start uh, this Saturday against Reno. You know, I, I think only time will tell. Yeah, and let's get into that um, match on Saturday. We're not going to go through the nuts and bolts of this match, every play-by-play, but some things to note. Um, Arioli, or <laughs> Ariola was part of the starting 11 with a lot of the normal guys, I with was, the was, Chris Cortez and the Omar Bravo up top, with a lot of the regular starting midfielders. Um, Ariola got in there at right back. Um, 
a couple other things. Omar Bravo finally scored a goal, his first goal with Phoenix Rising, even though it doesn't come in an official USL match. Still good for him to get on the score sheet. It happened early in the game. He drew a penalty, and in this game, he took the shot himself and put it into the right side. So that was just kind of nice to see. Hopefully that transfers over to USL action from our perspective. Um, but and then, and then the team had a huge mass substitution around the 30th minute. So a lot of the guys that haven't gotten a ton of playing time, people like um, Uchenna Uzo, um, they got chances to get out there and play. Yeah, I was really uh, happy to see Uchenna get some get some playing time out there. He got a good 60 minutes. It's the first time we've seen him since a horrific uh, accident in practice back in July. Uh, you know, I think it only bodes well for him as we move forward. Gives him the confidence now that he knows that he can play. Uh, I think getting getting an opportunity now in a in a friendly where nothing matters, I think is the perfect setting for him to get started. I think it it can only bode well and, and bode better for him as we move forward. Could we see you know? As you remember, we've got a, a big boatload of games coming up here in, the, in this month of May with one and possibly two U.S. Open Cup games. People like a new Chana Uzo, a Mike, a Mike Seth, a Jason Johnson. These guys are going to really be important as we move forward and especially, you know, in this set of games. Especially when we get to U.S. Open Cup because, I mean, that's going to be... Our U.S. Open Cup fixture date, I think, is May 17th or 16th, and it's right in the middle of us playing OKC Energy at home. Then we're going to travel to California for that game. Then we have another away game that following Saturday. So you're going to see a lot of a lot of our reserves slot into the starting 11, you would have to imagine, for that game and then other U.S. Open Cup games as we progress. Well, I think what happens... This week with Reno and what happens next week with OKC will kind of determine where some of these players will play as we go forward. Because if if you get another six points out of these two remaining home matches on this four-game home streak, not only bodes well as you go forward in USL play, but it also has to make you think with a big, huge match coming up on the road in USL play, do you want to save a lot of your guys for that road match and play a lot of your 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 second your second type string players, you know, and give them some really good minutes against a PDL side, let's say, you know, I, I think it can only bode well for the club. Right. And you know, not too much else to take away from that match. Um, the PDL side, FC Tucson, ended up scoring late in the first half. But again, this is against mostly reserves. And then against the Arizona University Club men's team. It was 0-0, although Jason Johnson hit the post on a shot. But uh, this was really more just keeping the guys fresh, and you know, otherwise there would have been two weeks out of three where they're not doing anything uh, as far as game action is concerned. You know, we go back to, you know, we go back to the first time when they had the, the 13-day break. I think it was hard for uh, Frank Yallop to get the guys going, you know, so I think it was smart on on his behalf before he left the club to get a, a you know a friendly arrange with an FC Tucson to get things going there to keep those guys fresh because I think we saw early you know in that match coming off of the 13 day break you could see there was a little bit of a 
Yeah, that's there, fair. There, there wasn't there wasn't the jump there wasn't the jump that you saw in the low dose match that got him going. You didn't see that same jump in the first 20, 25 minutes, you know, to get them going. So I think it was a good thing to do this this week. Keep them fresh, keep that jump going, and I think they'll have that. I think they'll have that energy as they go into Saturday's match with Reno. And uh, nice, friendly for a couple other reasons too. Uh, definitely saw some stuff on Facebook and Twitter. It looked like the two big supporters groups, uh, La Furia Roja and Los Bandidos, were really coordinating chants and stuff. It looked like a great atmosphere there. Uh, Rising definitely made a strong impression as an away side over the weekend. And hopefully you you uh, get some people from Tucson watching Omar Bravo score a penalty kick, watching a lot of these big names get out there, uh, Sean Wright Phillips, and maybe they're going to say, hey, we should come up to Phoenix for a game or two. So... Potentially a great opportunity to grow the fan base uh, and to grow Phoenix Rising's support throughout yeah. the state. Yeah, not 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 just a you know shout out to the LFR and the and the Bandidos, but also a shout out to the to the people of Tucson. I mean, I know they always come out every year for the Desert Diamond Cup, you know, for the MLS preseason friendlies. They always they always have a good showing for those, but to have a good showing for a a, a match that means nothing to have twenty one hundred fans there. That's an that's an incredible incredible showing by the people of Tucson. Great job by you know FC Tucson putting everything together. Uh, you know I, I think for, on the whole it was a great night. Oh yeah, the the attendance figure for that game by the way two thousand one hundred fifteen fans for a PDL side. That's more than any of the MLS reserve teams are averaging, and it's more than even some independent USL clubs averaged in the not too distant past. So really good to see that. And Tucson is making a strong case for itself as a city that could potentially get into USL D3. Yeah, that they could very well do. So, Moving to some of the other news and notes of the week, uh, we don't really have a whole lot to talk about on the coaching search. Uh, the team has been fairly quiet as far as going about their business as, as far as, as the coaching search goes. Um, if those of you who have not seen it yet have a chance Go to firebird.coreair.com. There's a great article by Chad Smith talking about uh, Frank Yallop and does Frank leaving hurt the decision for MLS expansion? I think it's a great piece that Chad wrote, um, giving a lot of points, looking at all the coaches that have moved up into MLS from from a from a USL side that have moved into MLS, I think it's a great article. You know, go check that out. It, you know, Chad put some really good effort into that. And his conclusion was that it doesn't matter too much because the earliest Phoenix Rising could get into MLS is 2020. Um, so as long as we have that coaching position filled by the time the MLS is weighing its options for expansion franchises. I mean, I would tend to agree with Chad that it probably doesn't hurt us too much. Yeah. Um, but as Jeff was saying, great article. Definitely check that out. Uh, I'm sure he has it on his Twitter feed at PlayFor90 on Twitter. Um, but there was a big announcement yesterday as well. Yeah, big announcement yesterday coming from the club, uh, retaining Goldman Sachs as the structuring agent for the MLS stadium. This is huge news as far as, you know, Another piece of the puzzle, as as Phoenix Rising said in their release, uh, to to get that MLS expansion franchise, um, 
just looking at the looking at the release right now, you know, Brett Johnson, the the uh, co-chairman and alternate governor of the club, says we're thrilled. Phoenix is among the leading expansion markets for MLS. They keep talking this up. Burke Bakai in his comments to us last week before the uh, before the match against uh, Swope, you know, talking about how this is an MLS market and how important that they need to be here. Um, you know, talked, you know, they talk in their press release about how, you know, the expansion is driven by several factors, including ownership group size, market size, stadium financing plan. We've, we know how many big stadium financing plans are key in this, in this expansion period. We know, we know Phoenix Rising has the, the mechanism in place for their stadium. We know Sacramento has the mechanism in place for their stadium. We now know this week that Tampa Bay has their mechanism in place. So this is a, this is a pretty involved. this is kind of a nice little segue. Um, I guess one other note before we segue to the Tampa news: um, Goldman Sachs has also been the structuring agent for LAFC when they built their new stadium, and they are working with DC United as they get a new stadium built in Washington, but. So that's just something to keep in mind that we're following the path that other franchises that have gotten to MLS or MLS franchises that are building a quality stadium, they've used Goldman Sachs for the same purpose. But um, to transition over to Tampa, so two days ago, there was actually a vote on whether you know the citizens of St. Petersburg would allow the Tampa Bay owner to expand Alang Stadium into a MLS venue. Currently, the stadium capacity there is about 8,000, and they voted 87% in favor of expanding it. So they're saying it's going to get to 18,000 as the capacity. Now, that seems like it's a bit on the lower end, but that is still more than a few franchises average in MLS. So what's your take on that 18,000 number? Um, uh do I think it's on the lower end? Yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, does it help Tampa Bay's chances for an MLS expansion franchise? I think it does. I mean, but I, you know, the question is, will you know what will MLS say about an eighteen thousand seat stadium? I know that might concern them a little bit. I mean, considering you know recent announcements by U.S. Soccer to host uh, upcoming. Uh, CONCACAF World Cup qualifiers in New York and in Orlando, and you see the sizes of their stadiums, if they want to try to keep, you know, good-sized stadiums in the mix as far as, you know, U.S. qualifying slash uh, future World Cup slash, uh, you know, friendly matches, I don't think that helps Tampa St. Pete, but then again, maybe they see something where they can expand it even further and, you know, throw themselves in the mix. But I think, you know, for right now, I think that's a tough sell. Well, it's it seems like they're one of those cities kind of like Phoenix that's right on the edge, except I would say Tampa is really on a knife's edge as far as MLS expansion is concerned. I mean, 18,000, any lower, and you're saying, wow, I really don't see this working out. Um, but I think... The reason they settled on that number is because anything larger and they would have had to build a new soccer specific stadium with public funds 
and voters in the past have been very um, very uh, put off by the Tampa Bay Rays um, push to build along the waterfront over there. So they want to keep the existing infrastructure, and now it's just going to be up to Don Garber, it looks like. It's definitely something in the right direction, though, for that city and its bid. Yeah, that it is. Let's transition into uh, what happened in the uh, USL this past week. Um, start back on Tuesday of last week, uh, San Antonio with a big, huge road win uh, up in the northwest against uh, Seattle Sounders 2, 3-2. Forbes uh, with another great goal, getting them going. Uh, Billy Forbes has been a, a, a real solid spot for them this year, along with Cesar Elizondo. And those two guys have really made the push for San Antonio to be a, a strong franchise, a strong team to consider this year. I mean, we go and play them in a couple of weeks. That's going to be a tough road match to go and play them and see, you know, kind of kind of see in the marker where we're at in, in comparison to some of the top teams in the West. Yeah, definitely. There's, um, there's no one that can compare to their record in all of USL this year, it's now six wins and one draw undefeated on the season. Um, and they continued their success on Friday with a nice 4 0 win. Yeah. Nice, nice win. Uh, El, uh, Cesar Elizondo, like we talked about, two goals in that game. Uh, earned him player of the week honors for the league. So, as you can tell, a very strong side in San Antonio. I know they were right on the cusp last year of that playoff spot, and, and this year they're really making a push forward. So Thursday, uh, Orlando City B and uh, and uh, St. Louis had a nothing nothing tie. Uh, we talked about the San Antonio four nothing win on Friday up in up in Portland, so that was a nice uh, two win weekend for them up in up in the, the Pacific Northwest. Uh, we get into Saturday's games. Bethlehem Steel had a one nothing win over FC Cincinnati, which saw another glaring incident this week with another player in uh, Andy Craven. Yeah, um, just another straight red. It's their fourth of the season now for FC Cincinnati. And now Craven is going to join Jimmy Fall with a massive suspension. This one is only four games as opposed to uh, Fall's six-gamer. But things are really going south in a hurry for a team that many considered to be among the elite squads in the East and in the USL as a whole. There were huge ambitions going into this season for FC Cincinnati. And now we're going to really see how diehard are those fans. Are they going to keep packing it with 20,000 plus um, if things start to go south without several of their best players? Yeah. Uh, another win for Real Monarchs. 2-1 victory over uh, Swope Park Rangers. Uh, Chandler Hoffman with another goal for, for the Monarchs. Every week we keep wondering, is this team for real? Is this team for real? Did we really lose that badly to, to the Real Monarchs? And Real Monarchs keep proving us wrong every single week by going out and, and, and beating another quality opponent. Obviously, Swope Park came off a tough loss against us last week. Now, yeah. now another tough loss for the Rangers. So, Well, and, and as, as Chad mentioned on the preview pod a couple weeks ago, Swope hadn't played any away matches, and then now they have to go to two pretty tough places in uh, Salt Lake City and Phoenix, and, you know, the results weren't going to keep coming up rosy forever. Yeah. So, 
another team in the West we want to talk about right now is Sacramento Republic FC, a 0-0 draw against uh, Vancouver Whitecaps. This now makes four games in which Sacramento has not scored a goal. This is very uncharacteristic of this club. Oh, absolutely. Um, four consecutive games shut out, and this is another one where Republic had a bulk of the possession. They had 59% possession in this game. They have more shots. They have more shots on target, um, as we've seen a couple times in this losing streak. Uh, I mean, this one isn't technically a loss, but it feels like a loss, um, dropping even more points and falling further behind in the Western Conference standings. Uh, something needs to change for them. You know that they can put goals in because they scored four against Orange County, which has one of the best defenses in the West, if not all of USL. And yet they have absolutely looked listless since that very hot start with three straight wins. Um, definitely something to keep your eyes on over there. Some other scores from Saturday. Uh, Richmond had a 4 nothing win over Charlotte. Pittsburgh with a 1-0 win over Harrisburg. Charleston and Ottawa tied 2-2. Tampa Bay got back on the winning track, winning 1-0 against Richmond. And a really nice goal, winning goal in that match for Tampa. Um, I forget. The last name is Brown. I need to see the full name there. But good win for Tampa. They had been in a bit of a rough patch, and it's nice for them to get back in the right direction. Louisville with a nothing-nothing draw against Toronto. Another surprising result, uh, Seattle, too, comes back after that tough loss to San Antonio on Tuesday with a 3-2 win over uh, Colorado Springs, a pair of goals by uh, by Chinkum, yep, which got them going. And uh, Rio Grande Valley gets turned back around again with a 3-0 win against Oklahoma City. We're really starting to wonder where Oklahoma City really is this year because we've known them as a, as a top contender the past two or three years, and and we look at them and the rough start that they've had now as the season begins. Yeah, it's um, it's funny. They've still been in the headlines a lot because of that wonder goal a few weeks back against Sacramento Republic that started the Sacramento slide. But, you know, other than that, there hasn't been too much favorable to talk about for OKC. Yeah. So we get into the Western Conference standings now. San Antonio at the top, 6-0-1 with 19 points. Four points clear of Real Monarchs at 5-1. Then comes a big gap down to third at Sacramento, 3-3-1 with 10 points. So you can already see a nine-point gap already for San Antonio, which gives them some breathing room to start this season off. Well, yeah, it's, uh, it's four points between them and Real Monarchs, and then another five down to third. And then you get to fourth. I mean, here's here's how tight the race is now. In fourth place, Rio Grande Valley at nine, Swope Park at nine, Colorado Springs at nine, Seattle at nine. That's four through seven right there. Sitting in eighth is Vancouver at eight points. So you can see right there just alone from third to eighth is just a two-point difference. You even drop further, you know, drop to, you know, Orange County in ninth at seven points. Phoenix is in tenth with six points. So... Right there alone, Phoenix is is three points out of being in fourth place. So that's just that's just the one win on Saturday. And and I think you know goal difference or not goal difference, um, the number of games played matters a lot in these standings too. Because you look at the teams that are ranked nine through eleven, Orange County, Phoenix, and Tulsa, 
and I could pretty easily see two of those three teams getting into the top eight when this season's all said and done, but they're all on only four games played, and then you look at teams like Colorado Springs, Sounders 2, and Republic, they all have seven matches played, and yet they're still not creating much of a cushion. So let's see if that ends up biting them as the season progresses. So after Phoenix in 10th and Tulsa in 11th at six points, you have L.A. in 12th with with four points, Oklahoma City in 13th with four points, Portland at one and six in 14th at, at, at three points, and at the bottom of the Western Conference standing still is, is uh, Reno 1868 with uh, just the three losses and the two draws for two points. So, which transitions us into this week's match yep. against the against Reno 1868 FC. Obviously, it's been a rough start for them, uh, being an expansion franchise, as most expansion franchises do uh, tend to have a, a little bit of a struggle to start. Um, we we went through that a few years back when this franchise was Phoenix Wolves and Arizona United. Uh, just. Where it really stinks is when it comes down to roster depth. And you can tell Reno has some big names that have been in USL before, but they don't have the depth uh, that's necessary to compete with some of these squads. Yeah, obviously, obviously the, the, the main players you know, we look at for, for Reno, uh, Dane Kelly, who's obviously had a wonderful USL career with the 50 goals in his career. Uh, he, just, he just hit that mark uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you've got Mackenzie Pridham, who... who has has a lot of, of USL experience. Uh, another name to watch is is a junior Burgos. Uh, he's had a lot of shots on goal for them this year. He's only found the back of the net just the one time, but he's somebody who does put a lot of shots on goal. So um, the one thing to remember for Phoenix Rising FC this week, Cody Wakasa on the red card does not play this match. So like we had talked about at the beginning of this show, do not be surprised if you see in an Eder Areola entering the lineup right away, you know, as that right back. As, as we've seen time in and time out this season, the right and left backs have been the, the, the sticking point on this club right now, trying to find somebody to, to settle on that spot. Areola's the next man up. It seems like most likely as, as Rick Chance has given him a chance. So let's let's see if Ariola becomes the answer. If not, we may see Brock Granger there. Could we see Jordan Stewart slide over to the right? I think it's a possibility. You know, I, I think you could see Jordan slide over to the right, and this could be the opportunity that maybe Uchenna Uzo gets to come back into the starting lineup in his center back where he played most of last year. There could be a lot more rotation in the back at those left and right wing slots, especially as we start playing. Uh, a ton of games in the next few weeks. Um, I, I do want to say Cody Wakasa has really exceeded my expectations at right back. For the most part, he's put in really great shifts. And for a guy without a ton of experience at this level, that's very impressive. But that being said, when you have a chance to put in a guy with Areola's experience and pedigree, tough to say no to that. Yeah. So... That uh, is going to bring to a conclusion this week's episode of the Rising as One podcast. Well, uh, I wanted to give a few more things on this uh, on this Reno match. There, there are a couple stats that I think show just how important this match will be for Phoenix Rising and why it's essential to get out of here with the win. So 
Reno's goal difference is minus eight. They've conceded 14 goals in five matches played. And here's the real kicker. In two away matches, and granted, these away matches are two at Real Monarchs and at San Antonio, they've conceded nine goals. So with a team like Phoenix Rising that's been able to put some goals in the net the last two weeks, and then we have a defense that's that vulnerable coming into our stadium... You have to put in multiple goals, and you have to find a way to get that win. Uh, another subplot here, the Phoenix Rising, I mean, we haven't recorded a shutout yet this season. This could be a nice opportunity. Reno has been shut out twice. No guarantees, but that's another thing to watch for. Sounds good. Well, that'll bring to a close this episode of the Rising is One podcast. Uh, we thank you, as always, for listening to us. Check us out. Facebook page, Twitter, uh, email us at risingpod at gmail.com. If you have any comments, questions, uh, you like the show and you just want to tell us about it, you know, feel free to, feel free to let us know. Uh, next week, next two weeks, uh, our, our buddy here, Dominic, will be uh, off on an adventure of a lifetime, so you won't be hearing his, his voice. Uh, Matt Trainer will be back next week with us. Um, Hopefully, we may have a special guest host next week. We'll we'll see uh, we'll see what happens in the works for that. But uh, um. yeah, it's going to be a fun fun little trip. Um, I will be in Italy. It's funny that the whole crew has been shuffling all over the place because Matt was just out in Mexico uh, for his wedding, and now uh, I'm going with my family to Italy, and I will be rocking the rising jersey as much as possible. Um, and I'll get to see a Roma-Juve match. So I'll get back with that. But hopefully we can get two big home wins while I'm abroad. So, well, Thanks for joining us, and uh, as always, have a great day.